0: Hey, welcome to the talk from St. Sadies. We hope you enjoy it. Over the uh, next few weeks, we're doing a series about the five purposes of church. Um, and Ron is going to come and speak to us tonight on Fellowship. I think, is there a video? I don't think there is this week. No. There has been, but not this week. Uh, so far this day... I have been called, or someone said I look like a Bond villain, so uh, I'm feeling obviously a little unsettled. Thanks for joining me in the front row, Pete, appreciate that. I was thinking of moving the sofas out of the way in these chairs and just, you know, getting to you people. It's great to have you with us this evening. Uh, we are looking at five purposes of church, and I think just the bottom line to begin with, when we live in community with those that are different than us, we show a little taste of heaven to those around us. So that's the bottom line that I want you to take away. One of my favorite, favorite sayings is that the church is the perfect place for imperfect people. The church is the perfect place for imperfect people. You know that you're imperfect, right? Yeah? Turn to your neighbour and say, you're imperfect. No, don't do that. I was only joking. Man, You'll, you'll do anything the vicar says. Uh, this evening, this evening, I'm going to be talking about the F word. Oh, look at that. The F word. We're going to be looking at what it looks like to live life in fellowship in fellowship that's the F word that I'll be using this evening and fellowship in particular with those people those people you know who I'm talking about those people and if the person that you're thinking about now those people is sat right next to you right now things just got a little bit awkward We have those kinds of people in our lives. We have those kinds of people in our church. Maybe you have those kinds of people in your families, in your homes. I looked up the word fellowship. Uh, It's a good Christian word, right? Mm, I don't know, maybe there's one or two societies outside of the body of Christianity that use the word fellowship. Fellowship, good Christian word. There you go, companionship, companionability, sociability, comradeship, fraternisation. You can read them all. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like those last ones? I love those, right? Informal chumminess, palliness, clubbiness, informal meatiness. I googled it, so it must be true, right? A community bound together in fellowship. And tonight we're just going to talk a little bit, just look a little bit about those people. Those people who perhaps view the Bible differently to how we view the Bible. Those people who perhaps have political views that are a little bit different or very different. And uh, I think, if you're honest, you've got those kind of people in your life. I'm right, right? Of course I'm right. You've got those people in your lives. Those people who pray differently to you. Those people who dress differently. Those people who prefer rugby to football. Those kinds of people that you have in your life. Hmm. (laughs) Tension. I'll be honest, I don't think we do a very good job at loving those kinds of people. I don't think, I'm going to put it out there, I don't think we do a very good job. We like to associate with people who think like us, who dress like us, who vote like us, who pray like us, who watch the same movies we do, who eat what we do. We like to stay in our comfort zone. You're about to discover why well, your lovely vicar got an F in art? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grade that. What is it now? It's probably a grade two or a grade three for you guys that are sitting GCSEs. <clears throat> okay, we like to stay in uh, in this kind of green zone. It's safe and it's comfortable. Okay, now I'd love I'd love it if I had an orange pen, but I don't. So there's another zone out here, which is kind of amber, if you like. And then there's a whole other zone that exists, which is kind of red out there. And I guess the key thing is, in all this, where's Wally? Oh no, hang on, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? I think we love staying in this place. we think about fellowship, think about how you are when you come to church, think about the people that you sit with, the people that you mix with, maybe even outside of church. And we do love to stay in this zone here. And I don't think that's what Jesus calls us to do. It's okay to be there for a time, but I think Jesus calls us out of this and this boundary that we put up and uh, Stuart last week was using uh, boxes as a way of kind of dividing things that we build up that uh, stop us from coming close to God. And I think we can put boxes around us just to to kind of close ourselves in. But Jesus is calling us out to the edges. Some of those boxes are big, some of those boxes are small. But the problem, the problem is is that when we're talking about a church and we're talking about growth as church as individuals but church as in the body, when we put those boxes up, all it does is it brings barriers between us, and actually those barriers just create a horrible word called disunity. And that, that's got to stop. That has to stop. That isn't Jesus' purpose for the church. Now, I don't know what it is that sets you off about those kinds of people, um, but I'm sure you can relate. Maybe uh, just, it, maybe it's a Facebook post, maybe that kind of thing. I know for myself, <laughs> I've had to stop looking at some people because it sets me off in the wrong direction of moaning and grumbling and groaning maybe it's an, an overheard conversation when you're at the watering hole in the office. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's in the, uh, in the playground as you're dropping the kids off. But there's something that gets underneath your skin about those kinds of people. And maybe you say something. Perhaps if you're really bold, you write some sort of anonymous comment about them. Or you complain to a friend or a spouse Or maybe, maybe like me, you just have an argument with them in your head. And for much of my life, I thought, well, what does that matter? I didn't really give it much concern, actually. Um, I'm entitled to my opinion, and I'm right, I'm right, right? I'm justified in the stand that I take. Shortly after I got married, I began to see the error in my thinking. whether I'm right or wrong it doesn't really matter because what it does is the way that I stand in that creates disunity in the church between you and me who I say you are my brother you are my sister so I, I play a part in creating a barrier among Christians in the church and I'm guessing I'm not the only one here this evening who's experienced that either on the side of being the one who was shut out or indeed the one who does the shutting out maybe you saw someone in church post something some sort of political view and the next time you crossed over the street and thought I'm not going to engage with that person maybe you've said something to someone that you shouldn't have said but rather than apologize you've let it fester Maybe you really screwed up and you've really hurt someone and you couldn't bring yourself to seek forgiveness. Maybe you didn't get the role in the team in the church that you really wanted. You know, us men, mankind, have had disagreements running all the way back to the beginning of creation. We have to learn to live in fellowship in community, with unity. We have to F word well. We have to fellowship well. A guy preached this morning and he reminded us that the problem is not the person. The problem is not the person. It's actually not whether their views are different to us, political, theological, lifestyle. That's not the enemy, the enemy is the spiritual realms that come in and drop into our laps in this physical realm. See, those people, those people are not the enemy. Those people are not the enemy. We're gonna look at a passage uh, today in the letter to the Ephesian church and we're gonna be told by God, by Paul in particular, never to close our circles. Uh, We're told to live in community, to fellowship with people that are different to us, and that is the truth. Uh, If you want to open up your Bibles, if you have one, flip open your phone, Ephesians 2.11. Ephesians 2.11. And the passage is an absolute high point in the letter. And if you can take the time, if you can take 20 minutes this week to have a read through the letter to the Ephesian church, you'll notice throughout the letter the theme of unity Fellowshipping well together comes through over and over again. Check this out. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Uh, you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. We're not going to be doing a practical this evening. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. By the time this book was written, this letter was written, we're moving on into the second generation of Christians. Uh, In other words, the, the first people that decided to follow Jesus right after he died and rose again had had kids, and now those kids were beginning to forget about why their parents were following Jesus. And Paul is reminding them that it wasn't long ago that they were without hope, these Gentiles, these non-Jewish people, us, if you like. They had been excluded from fellowship with God, which in the Old Testament was only for the Israelites, only for the Jewish people. Paul is reminding them of their past, and we too need a weekly, a daily reminder of our past. At some point, you and I lived in this world without God without hope, maybe you're still living in a part of that world, we've all lived, or are living to some degree or another in that story. Don't miss the next verse, verse 13, but now you have been united with Jesus Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. But now, but now, I love the way Paul talks but now, everyone say, but now, but now, but now. We were once without hope, we were once lost, we were once excluded, but now, we were once without hope, we were once lost, we were once excluded, but now, because of Jesus Christ, we live with hope. We are part of the story. We're invited in. You and I, because of Jesus, have fellowship with God. I'm not sure we have informal matingness with God, but we have fellowship with God. Here's what Paul is trying to get at. At one point in your life, you were without God. At one point, you were lost in your mistakes, in what the Bible might call sin. You had no hope. And once... Once you were one of those people to God. You were one of those people to God. When Jesus enters the story, it all changes. He said you no longer have to be one of those people. You no longer have to be excluded from God. He says I will take your place. And because of Jesus taking our place, we went from being far from God in a world without hope to being within touching distance from Jesus saying the kingdom of God is near, is at hand, has come. Paul is reminding us where we were and where we are. And sometimes we forget. Maybe you've forgotten this day. Maybe you're the sort of person that forgets Monday through to Saturday and you get a good reminder, I pray, when you come to church. He carries on, verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us, wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. His sacrifice on the cross goes a lot further than a get out of hell free card. I googled get out of free hell card. And kind of this is what comes up, hundreds and hundreds of images like this. <laughs> Paul is telling us the things that used to keep us apart, the things that used to divide us, our differences, our opinions, our lifestyles, our choice of rugby team, all those things no longer divide us. They no longer Divide us. Jesus put to death our hostility towards each other on the cross. Jesus has dealt with that. In order, in order that we can have fellowship. You and I, because of Jesus, can live with God but we can also live with those people. Now, I don't know if you see that peace in your life today, the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts. Not in the world, because we can all think about places around the world where the peace of Christ does not rule. But do you see it in your hearts? Do you see it in your life? Do you see it in your church Does it seem like hostility has been put to death? Do you see peace with your friends, with your neighbors, with the person that you're sitting next to? And if you don't, I ask you what's your part to play in that? What's your part to play? We're called to live in fellowship, in community, in unity. Paul finishes the section by saying this. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. And that's the good news. That's what we're supposed to be showing the world, our community, our community the people who come to this church, not just with our words but how we live. The message of the gospel that is for everyone, not just the people who look like you, who vote like you, who dress like you, who think like you, who have the same theological values as you, who raise their hands in worship like you do, everyone, everyone. Jesus' sacrifice means that we don't have to suffer and that we can live in community with God and with each other right now. And uh, that's the good news. It has to be good news. And that's why this church exists. And it's why one of our key values is that of community. It's why we do what we do during the week. It's why there were however many men hanging out here together on Tuesday just gone. It's why there were 70 people at church on Sunday after our service having lunch together, enjoying each other's companionship. It's why there are up to 150 people having lunch with us on a Wednesday in our community lunch. It's why we're doing with all, what we're doing with all the people that are going for our community recovery program. It's why we're spending so much time investing in the people who are suffering from food poverty who come in through our food bank. When we live in community with those that are different than us, we show a little taste of heaven to those around us. It's the bottom line. And God has made it very clear who's in. Who's in? Who's in? Jim? Everyone. Everyone. That's exactly the word I had written down. Everyone. God has made it very easy for us to understand who He loves. Who does He love? Who's excluded from God's love? No one. Not those people. Jesus is for all people. That person that you cannot stand, the person whose views just get under your skin, that person is someone who Jesus died for. That person is someone Jesus said, I love you and I want you to be in. To finish, three things. Uh, in ways in which I think you could apply this if you want to, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you in a different way uh, to apply it to your lives, great. But I think it's always important that you, know, you come away from this at some way in, in which it can change the way that you spend the rest of your week. Yeah? Because this, what happens in here, this is for that. This is to enable you to be better followers of Jesus out there. I can see a few other people who have been to New Wine laughing because there's a guy at New Wine who said, this is for that. Did you watch the DVD, do <clears throat> There's nothing new under the sun. First of all, expand your circle. Expand your circle. I challenge you to find people who are different than you and hang out with them. Invite them for a cup of tea, invite them for lunch stay on a Sunday when we're doing lunch together and sit next to someone different. Speak to somebody different after this service. I understand, I understand the need to be with people who are like you. These are my friends. I like spending time with them. Those of you who are not under 30, this is one direction. Expand your circle. Expand your circle. Number two, where there's been conflict, seek reconciliation. You know, we're not good at conflict, and conflict is a good thing. Where there's been conflict, seek resolution. Number three, was number three? Stop bashing people. Remember, people are not the problem. People are not the problem. We do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the spiritual enemy, the evil one. Every day, every day people are looking at you. Every day people are making a judgment about whether this Jesus guy is worth following. Does following Jesus have an impact on your life? Does it make you any different? Do you stand out from your neighbor, from the person next to you? I had a great chat with um, a young girl and her cousin who had come today and uh, Uh, she said she was seeking, and he said, I'm an atheist. I said, you're welcome here. I said, I hope and I pray that something of what we've seen, what you've seen, what you've heard today, will give you a glimpse of how much God loves you. So many people are hungry. There's a spiritual hunger out there that we haven't experienced for years. And people are looking at you to see whether this makes any difference. Let's pray together. Maybe you just ask God to increase the capacity of your heart to be able to love people, those people who are different from you. Maybe ask him to overcome your fear Whichever barrier it is that you've put up around yourself, that He would take those down. I ask Him to impress upon your heart a Scripture that says, "By this all people will know that you are My disciples, if you love one another." What it means to fellowship well with the person next to you, behind you, in front of you. Those people. For more information about St Saviour's visit, our website at